Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the Masson newsroom, it is the Masson All Access Podcast. Paul Mancano here with you, joined by Brendan Mortensen, and we are just hours away, technically, from the beginning of the 2020 baseball season. Opening day for four teams is tomorrow on Thursday, and then we are going to get the rest of MLB opening on Friday, including the Orioles and the Red Sox at Fenway Park on Friday night. Now we have Brendan joining us. Brendan, are you ready for the 2020 baseball season? Are you mentally and physically prepared for a 60-game season? You know, I don't think I am. I've just been waiting for baseball for so long that now that it's almost here, it feels like it's not real. I keep waiting for something to happen, and the season gets like canceled out of the blue or something like that. I don't think I'm going to believe it until I literally see opening day happen. Yeah. I mean, Brendan, I I am a a theater kid uh, as avowed on this podcast. And uh, I directed in college, I directed a musical where the the lead of said musical was sick up until uh, two nights before opening night. And we had to have an understudy emergency prepare. And uh, we went into opening night and our lead was there and it, it happened. And I felt like uh, this is kind of how all baseball teams feel right about now. It's it's going to happen. Uh, we're as prepared as possible. Like that that's kind of what Brandon Hyde said yesterday. Like we're just about as prepared as we possibly can be. But that being said, it, it's probably not very prepared <laughs> for this season. I mean, it, it no team can prepare for this. I feel like they're, they can't even get themselves really fully prepared in any circumstances and especially considering these. Well, that just seems like one long weird flex about how you directed a musical in college, but you're right. I mean, we pretty much said from the beginning that the pretty much the one lock with the Orioles was going to be their opening day starter. We knew it was going to be John means. And we see now that that wasn't even a lock. So, so many things are up in the air. Teams are trying to prepare as much as possible, but really anything can happen. Yeah. Uh, it was a weird flex, and I'll and I'll continue to flex it. I will, Brendan. Uh, we are going to yeah. do predictions on this show because now that baseball is around the corner, we have devolved into the hacky sports talk radio show trope, which is predictions. Uh, but to undercut our own predictions and to show just how little we know, we're also going to do a randomized predictions and predicting method that is just literally a google sheet that i set up for you brendan you're going to go through every single team uh and you're just going to literally press the down button and whichever team you land on that's going to be the division winner and then in two and a half months we're going to look back and compare our results and our predictions to the literal randomized predicting predicting methods of a google sheet and just show that we are just as in the dark as anybody else well, listen, I don't think anything instills confidence in our listeners quite like us losing to the power of Google Sheets. <laughs> you you know, to, that's just, yeah. that's how it happens. Yeah, you have to undercut your own expertise at, at, exactly. at every step. Um, that's how you gain trust, I feel like. Well, that would imply that we had expertise to begin with. Hey, there you go. If we're yeah, going to undercut lack it. thereof. Yeah. yeah, all right. Exactly. Let's go ahead and start with the predictions. We're going to do... 
Uh, first and foremost, we're going to do award predictions, and then we're going to get into division winners, World Series, and all that good stuff. But we're going to do both leagues, award predictions, 60-game season, going to be strange. Let's start off with MVP, starting the National League. Brendan, who's your pick for NL MVP in 2020? All right, for the National League, I went with the fun one here. How about Bryce Harper? Yeah, I think Bryce Harper has a big bounce back season. He's hitting 500 in eight spring training games. His OPS is over 1.8. I don't know. That seems like fun. I think anything can happen in 60 games. Maybe we see a Bryce Harper from a few years ago who had one of the best seasons like ever. But of course, there's also Christian Yelich, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Ronald Acuna. But I'm going to go Bryce Harper. Why not? It's yeah, 60 games. I think, Get crazy. I think before the season started, I might have picked Bryce Harper. I don't know. In this 60-game in this sprint, though, I feel like it might be difficult for a team that's not going to make the playoffs to have an MVP candidate. I, I don't know. That's I, true. I, uh, um, maybe just based on, I, I don't know. But So I, I don't think the Phillies are going to be in the playoffs by season's end. Therefore, I didn't pick Bryce Harper. But I do think he's going to put up better statistics than he did last year. And I think he's going to have a good season. But my pick is going to be on a team that I do have winning their division. And that is the same division. And you mentioned his name just right there. Ronald Acuna is my pick uh, for MVP. I mean, absolutely mind-boggling stats last year in his age, what, 22? 22 season last year with the Braves. Uh, He had 280. He had 41 homers. He had 37 stolen bases, and he played great center field. Last year, the MVP was Cody Bellinger, who was 23. I think this year uh, is is going to be just right around the same age, and that's Ronald Acuna is my pick. And also a sleeper I want to throw in there, yeah. Corey Seager. Dodgers shortstop. He's coming back from injury. He's going to be hitting in the middle of a stacked Dodgers lineup. Corey he was Seager fantastic is- before his injury. <laughs> that's He's like the fourth best hitter on the Dodgers. Sleeper. That's why I said sleeper. How you can he be the best hitter? Yeah. There. No, I think I think Turner, Justin Turner, Mookie Betts, and Cody Bellinger all have probably better chances of winning it. Within his, deep how can sleeper, he be the best? Paul. Deep, deep sleeper. Yeah, deep. Just deep you sleeper. wait. Just right. wait. You'll uh, see. Yeah. Uh, all right. AL MVP. Are you going chalk here, Brendan? It, it's my trout. He's the best player in, ma- in the majors. Until somebody else proves that they are better than Mike Trout, I am forever and always going to pick Mike Trout to win AL MVP. He's not going to get dethroned anytime soon. I think the only scenario where he's not the best player in the league is if he misses time, which is entirely possible this season. And if not, maybe you go with Francisco Lindor, Alex Bregman. Those are really the only other two names that I thought of. Maybe Matt Chapman if all of a sudden the analytics with his crazy defense just go through the roof. But I'm going to go Mike Trout. Yeah, I mean... I I know it's the obvious choice, but it's Mike Trout. I tried as hard as I could to come up with a reason for somebody else to win it over him, and I I, I just couldn't. He had over eight baseball reference war last year, and he missed 28 games, missed pretty much the entire last month of the season, and he still ran away with MVP and and put up mind-boggling numbers. I... And think about it this year. He's going to be now in a lineup with hopefully a, a fully healthy Shohei Otani. Uh, Justin Upton is still in that lineup. Albert Pujols is still in that lineup. And you add Anthony Rendon to that lineup. You're adding even more protection for this guy. And you have Joe Madden, who's one of the best managers in all of baseball, now at the helm of the Angels. I, I it, it, He might not win it. I'm not saying it's 100%, but this is as close to a... <laughs> 
like just put it in pen before the season starts award that we're going to go through here. Um, Brendan, next up, Cy Young. NL Cy Young, who's your pick? I'm going to go with Jack Flaherty for NL Cy Young. The second half of his season last year was unreal. He had an ERA of .1, a whip of just over .7 in his 15 starts. That's ridiculous. I, I don't think he can keep up that pace in 2020, but if he goes on a stretch that's even similar to the second half of 2019, he's going to run away with Cy Young. But I think there's a bunch of other contenders in the National League. Of course, you've got Max Scherzer, Jacob deGrom. I think Walker Buehler could make a push as well with the Dodgers probably winning a lot of games and Walker Buehler kind of taking over Clayton Kershaw for maybe the ace of that rotation. But I'm going to go Jack Flaherty. I think the Cardinals as well are probably a fringe playoff team this season. And if they play well enough to get into the playoffs, I'm going to go Jack Flaherty. Yeah, I was thinking also about Walker Buehler, but I saw that he is not going to most likely not going to uh, start the season on time. He's a little bit behind. And you take away one start in this, one or two starts in this 60-game season, and, and all of a sudden you, you could lose your entire case for an award. I'm going to go Steven Strasburg with the Washington Nationals as my pick for Cy Young. His other member of the Nationals pitching staff already has a few. I think it's this is Strasburg's time. We saw just how dominant he could be in the postseason last year. He had an ERA under two in the postseason last year, and these are going up against, you know, three of the best hitting teams in all of baseball in the Cardinals uh, and the Dodgers and the the uh, Astros and, of course, the Brewers in the wild card game. So uh, if we get anything close to what we saw from Steven Strasburg in the postseason last year, uh, during this regular season, I, I think he could win it. And and he's had great, great stretches in the past. Um, he's been very good. Now I think is his chance to win an, uh, a Cy Young. Uh, all right, AL Cy Young, who's your pick? I think I'm just going to go with the obvious choice here. I went with the obvious choice for American League MVP. I think, in my opinion, at least the obvious choice for American League Cy Young is Garrett Cole. Got the huge contract in the offseason. I think the Yankees are going to win a ton of games. We know about Cole's strikeout numbers. He's always going to continue with a solid ERA. I think his biggest competition is probably his former teammate in Justin Verlander. There's also Shane Bieber in Cleveland, who I think could make a run as well. I'm going to go Garrett Cole. I think he's going to win a ton of games. He's going to get a ton of strikeouts. And I think that's going to be really difficult to ignore. I'm going to go Shane Bieber here, Brendan, and I'll tell you why. Uh, He had a 3.28 ERA last year, over 10 strikeouts per nine in 2019. He's only 24 years old. And there were multiple guys, I think, on this Indians rotation that could win the Cy Young this year. Mike Clevenger had a better ERA, was even better last year. Uh, but I think Bieber is ascending. He's my guy um, to win the Cy Young in the AL. Let's get to Rookie of the Year. Are there any Orioles that you have picked for AL Rookie of the Year, Brendan? I unfortunately have not picked an Oriole for AL Rookie of the Year because you've got Luis Robert in Chicago, and I think he's probably a runaway to win American League Rookie of the Year this season. At least if all the tools pan out, he's looked fantastic so far in summer camp. I think Robert has a chance to be just one of the better players in baseball this season, let alone one of the better rookies. I think Robert is going to run away with it unless somebody else has an unbelievable season. I mean, what the only real candidate that you could come up with with the Orioles most likely would be Ryan Mountcastle, and it, it sounds right. like he is not going to start 
2020 with the the big league roster. Now, all they have to do pretty much is wait five days uh, before they bring him up from Bowie uh, and put him on the roster if they want to avoid giving him a full year of service time. To be honest, though, I think they're going to wait. I I don't know. I I do think he is going to get his major league debut this season, but I do think they're going to wait just a little bit past those five days, try him out and left. Um, I think the guy is going to hit. I, I do think he is going to, wherever they put him defensively, even as a rookie, I think he's going to give this offense a boost. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I think there might be some stronger candidates in the AL. I'm going to go with an older guy, Brendan. That would be Yoshitomo Tsutsugo of the Tampa Bay Rays, who was signed as an international free agent, played 10 seasons in the MVP, which is Japan's professional baseball se- uh, league. He was a five-time All-Star he hit 205 home runs. You you estimate that over 162 game average. It's about 34 a year. He has serious power. Can play a little third. Can play a little outfield. Sutsugo is my 31 year old AL Rookie of the Year. An interesting choice. A little bit of a Ben Simmons, little older Rookie of the Year pick there. I like it. Ben Simmons was not older at that point. He had just missed his entire rookie season. Which makes him a rookie. It, 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 this is this is common knowledge, right? right. Yes, common knowledge. I forgot. Yeah. And, and last award here, uh, besides AL Comeback Player of the Year, which of course we know is going to be Chris Davis, but NL right. Rookie of the Year. NL Rookie of the Year. I'm going to go Gavin Lux. I think he's he showed last year that he could be fantastic. He's got a ton of potential, and he's going to be in an absolutely stacked Dodgers lineup. Gavin Lux. I, I think it's kind of the case of Luis Robert, where he's just one of the more talented rookies coming up. And Lux has already shown that he can be productive at the major league level in his short time last year. So I'm going to go with Lux. I thought about that as well, but similar to Walker Bueller, I think he is also not starting uh, the season on the Dodgers big league roster. Um, it, it, just because I think that they he, he is a little bit behind um, and they want to get him ready. I do think he's going to put up great numbers this year as well, but I'm going to go with Carter Keboom, also of the Washington Nationals, as my NL Rookie of the Year. Hit over 300 in AAA last year, got just the tiniest of sample sizes uh, in the big leagues last year. It sounds like from Davey Martinez, their manager, that he is going to be playing every day at third base. Uh, so he's going to get the at-bats that he needs to get up to whatever statistical milestones he needs to. So I'm going to go with Keboom. You know, Brendan, we did joke about Comeback Player of the Year, but I'm not going to lie. We are through the entire exhibition slate for the Orioles, and Chris Davis had a couple doubles. Plate discipline looked uh, much, much better. I mean, this could legitimately be an award that he wins. It's Chris Davis. Yeah. It could be. I mean, he's looked fantastic, and I think there's a lot to be said for what a productive Chris Davis could do for this lineup. Because you've got solid pieces around him. I mean, the the lineup isn't going to be fantastic, but having a decent Chris Davis completely changes the landscape of how this offense looks. Right. I mean, we saw it in the second exhibition game uh, against the Nationals. Chris Davis gets on um, and then advances to second on a... I think he walked to get on, advances to second on a ball in front of the plate, gets over to third on a ground out, and then scores on, I think, a fly out. Like... He was, he was, for all intents and purposes, kind of a black hole in the lineup last year for the past two years. Just getting anything out of that spot, wherever he 
ends up hitting in the lineup. And I, based on the fact that Trey Mancini's not going to be in the lineup, um, you know, Jonathan VR is not going to be in the lineup. Chris Davis is probably going to be hitting higher up in the lineup than he has been in the past couple of years. He's going to get some opportunities and, and just giving him, giving them a little bit, just a little something. He doesn't have to hit 20 home runs, but just giving them a little something. Am I crazy for thinking that he might actually improve the Orioles offense this year? No, because there's guys in front of him too that are going to get on base. You look at, we're not exactly sure how the lineup is going to shake out, but say you've got Hanser Alberto, Jose Iglesias, Renato Nunez in front of him, Austin Hayes potentially as well. Yeah, Those are guys who are just going to get on base. So Chris Davis is going to have RBI opportunities. And if he goes from, like you said, kind of being a black hole in the lineup to actually cashing in on some of those chances, it's an entirely different lineup. Yeah, Because now you've got a guy who is actually driving in runs. You're giving run support to your pitching rotation. It's a different team when Chris Davis is effective in this lineup. And I think it could make a massive difference even on the win-loss record. I think you could see it pretty much with improvement across the board. It's a ripple effect, really. Yeah, and they certainly lose power, obviously, in VR and uh, Mancini being out. I, I do think near the top of that lineup, though, they, they could have gained some on base because, I mean, you have Hans Alberto is, uh, you know, same as last year. But Austin Hayes is a legit leadoff hitter. Um, and if he hits 275, kind of in line with the projections, that would be good. And then Jose Iglesias, I mean, Brandon Hyde says he he takes professional at-bats. Uh, he just is not an, going to be an easy out at the plate, and we've seen seasons where he's hit 280 in recent years. So it's going to be interesting. It's I, I mean, this, this pitching staff is certainly going to struggle, especially without John Means at the start of the season, but I, I, I am... Honestly, getting a little bit excited just about the lineup, even though they are without Mancini. And and the, the potential of a Ryan Mountcastle joining that lineup at some point during the season is is tantalizing. Right. It, it, like I said, you've got guys at the top of the lineup who have the potential to get on base often. And what you're really missing without a guy like Trey Mancini is the guy who's going to cash in on those opportunities, who's going to hit well with runners on base. And if you've got a semi-productive Chris Davis and call up a productive Ryan Mountcastle, that's huge for this lineup because all of a sudden you're actually you know scoring runs, which is what you probably should be doing in most of your baseball games. Before we get, to, I know that's a hot take. Yeah, but. yeah, very, very uh, in-depth analysis there, Brendan. Before Thank we get you. to yeah. uh, the Orioles' win-loss record, the AL East division winners, and all that stuff, if they do bring up a Ryan Mountcastle, say two weeks into the season, three weeks into the season, mid-August, where in that lineup would you stick him? Where do you think Brandon Hyde would want to stick him to? I think to start, you'd probably put him around this five or six range, I would say. There's going to be Chris Davis, Renato Nunez, Rio Ruiz, somewhere around there. So maybe five, six, seven. But I think as he starts to hit a little bit more, you probably move him up closer to the five, I would say. But probably to start around six or seven. Yeah, I mean, if it depends on, I, I I think Iglesias probably is better earlier on in the lineup. We'll see what Hyde does with him. But yeah, one, two is definitely locked up. And I think Mountcastle could be by, I don't know, if he is up and producing, could be by the start of September, maybe your cleanup hitter somewhere around there. Could be. Yeah. Yeah, all right. wouldn't surprise me at all. Let's get to... The Orioles' win-loss record. You mentioned a healthy, productive Chris Davis could add a lot. 
we have seen predictions in around 2021 wins for the Baltimore Orioles in a 60 game season. Brendan, what is your prediction for the Orioles win loss record? Yeah, I'm going to stick right around there. My prediction was 20 and 40. Again, I just think it's one of the tougher schedules in baseball. I've said it a lot. Your easiest games, you've got a series against the Marlins. Then after that, your easier games are against the Red Sox, Mets, and Phillies. I think the Red Sox aren't going to be great this year because the pitching rotation is just horrible. But the Mets and Phillies are fringe playoff teams, and you're talking about them being some of the easier teams that you're facing. You've got 10 games against both the Yankees and the Rays, who I think are both solidly going to be in the playoff picture, six against the Nationals, and three against the Braves. That's 29 games against four of maybe the top eight or 10 or so teams in baseball. Yeah. And I think there's solid pieces on this Orioles team. I'm excited to see, you know, potentially Ryan Mountcastle coming up. I think he'll be a big help. But when you've got 29 games against four of the toughest teams in baseball, I just don't see this Orioles team winning more than somewhere in the 20 to 22 games range. Yeah, I mean, I I went on the lower end. I went 19 wins, 19 and 41. And you mentioned just that it has been talked about to death, partly on this podcast, so I'll take responsibility for that. There's the difficulty of the schedule, but also the fact that this is a 60-game schedule and that divisions are going to be all pretty much decided by one or two games and nobody wants to end up in that wild card game, especially in the... Uh, you know, the AL East where the Rays and the Yankees are going to be competing for that top spot. Neither one of them wants a, a playing game. So they're all going to be going out. I mean, I mean, Aaron Boone is going to be playing his, uh, assuming they're healthy, playing his starters every single night. There are going to be no off days for these guys. So you are facing the best version of the Yankees, the best version of the Rays, Nationals, Braves, Phillies, Mets. Uh, that y- you possibly can. There are going to be no off days, no letdown days for these teams so that makes it even more difficult it's tough to to sneak a win here or there and especially because if if there's a three-game series with between the Yankees and the Orioles and the the Orioles take two out of those three the phone lines in New York City are going to be on fire calling for major changes just because you can't the Yankees the rate they can't afford to lose games to the Baltimore Orioles this year. So I think that it's going to be difficult to sneak a game, to sneak a series against these really good teams like you might have been able to do in 162-game seasons. Brendan, uh, AL East, one through five. We just touched on all the teams. What is your rank and order of those five teams? So I think the Yankees are going to win the division. Uh, In second, I've got Tampa. I think they'll solidly be a playoff team still. Uh, In third, I've got the Blue Jays. Uh, in fourth, the Red Sox, and then in fifth, the Orioles. I think the ones that's really a toss-up, I think the Blue Jays and Red Sox could really go either way with three and four. But like I said, the Red Sox pitch, pitching rotation is so bad. I, I just can't emphasize that enough. Yeah, well, it is horrible. The, and and those two teams, the teams that two and three, because the Rays are going to have an outstanding pitching staff. Um, right. And the, the Blue Jays will not be great. Uh, by any stretch, but they do. They did add Hyunjin Ryu, so that will help. And yeah, they they could definitely take a leap. You mentioned two and three kind of being a toss up, Brendan. I, I'm not so certain that the Yankees are going to win this division. I'm I'm just saying I'm I'm not so in 162 games. Absolutely, I would pick the Yankees, but in a 60 game season, I think that the Tampa Bay Rays could steal the division from the Yankees. 
Yeah, I don't think the Yankees are a lock. I think they're pretty likely to win the division. But in a 60-game season, like you said, the Rays' pitching rotation is just unbelievable. It's I mean, you've got Charlie Morton, you've got Blake Snell, you've got Tyler Glass now coming back from injury, who looked like an ace yeah. in the time that he was healthy last season. So if you've got those top three guys who are maybe three of the best four pitchers in the division that you could argue with Luis Severino out especially – those three guys give the Rays a real shot at winning this division. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna say bold predictions only. I'm gonna say Rays, Yankees, Red Sox, Blue Jays, Orioles for my one through five predictions for the AL East. Uh, let's get into our playoff teams first. Let's give our predictions for just the six division winners that we're gonna see around baseball, and then let's let's toss it to the computer and see what the computer spits out. Yeah, all right. So my six division winners, I've got the Yankees, the Astros, the Twins, the Braves, the Dodgers, and the Reds. I'm going pretty conservative. I'm pretty much just throwing the favorites out there. Yeah, the Reds. Look out for the Reds. The Reds look good this season. You, you, you like snuck that in there like I wouldn't notice. You're like going really conservative. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna hey, go. if you look at the <laughs> NL Central, I think the Reds have a legitimate case for being the most talented team in the NL Central. The NL Central is bad. It is I not think the bad. Rays are, it is. It is. I think the Rays. Middling. I think the Reds are the best team in that division. That, I really do. That division is is middling. I think you could say mediocre. Uh, I don't mediocre think you could say it's a there's bad a few, division. There's a few decent teams in the NL Central. There is not one really good team in the NL Central. No, no, agreed. But the Cardinals did they not? Uh, win the division last year with Jack Flaherty and uh, Paul Goldschmidt. And I think they won I th- over I think 90 the Cubs games and Cardinals. I think the Cubs and Cardinals are going to give them a run for their money, but I like the Reds. I, I'm I, throwing it in there. I would, I think the Reds still finished the fourth. They, they just kind of do like a, a half butt job of like <laughs> filling their holes in the off season every year. Like last year it was, it was, Puig and uh, this year it's Mustakis. It's like they're they're fine players, but you just don't have enough underneath. Um, I'm I am not picking the Reds if you couldn't base you know couldn't <laughs> judge that. But I'm going very similar. I'm going Braves in the NL East. I'm going Cubs in the NL Central. Dodgers, of course. Uh, I'm going to go Rays in the AL East. Twins, and I'm going to go with my hot take is the Angels. The AL West, Ooh. I think that the Astros has, have serious potential to combust and uh, just just fall completely. I mean, it. I, any, I just, any reasoning for that combustion there? Just you know the some stuff that happened a few months ago. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think that look, I, I that team is still unbelievably talented, but I do think this could be. You take out a piece here, you take out a piece there some stumbling here and there, and and they could unravel. I don't know. I still think they're going to be above 500 team, and I don't think that Angels pitching staff is good enough to win the division, but their their lineup will like more than make up, make up for that. I mean, that is just an absolutely the pitching, loaded lineup. The pitching rotation just worries me so much. Oh, it's, it's not good. I mean, it's when, bad. When it's they bad. traded four prospects for Dylan Bundy in the offseason, that should have told you, before the winter meetings even started, that should have told you everything you need to know about how desperate they are for pitching. It's it's not good. Who's starting opening day for the Angels? Is it Trevor Cahill? It I want to say. I, I don't know. I legitimately don't know. I, I, I don't. I, 
I just have a hard time thinking that a pitching rotation that is that bad is going to make the playoffs. That's my reasoning for putting the Red Sox fourth in the AL East. I mean, but because it, the Red Sox still have a dangerous lineup, their pitching is just. Uh, producer not. Bobby Blanco has told me that it is Andrew Haney, a name that Andrew Haney, uh, I, I'm barely familiar with. As, uh, but I look, they have. Uh, I mentioned all the guys in that in that lineup, and you add Joe Adele, who's a top prospect potentially at some point over the next couple of weeks, that is going to be an absolutely loaded lineup. Uh, and in 162 games, absolutely, that rotation is not good enough. But in a 60-game sprint, they might get just a, a good stretch from Dylan Bundy, a good stretch from Andrew Haney. <laughs> and, and they may just you figure never it out. Know. Yeah. yeah. All right. Crazy uh, things have happened. Brendan, just, oh, and then let's get our, our World Series predictions in here. World Series, two teams, winner. I'm going Dodgers Yankees with the Dodgers winning all chalk in a in a 60 game season. You got to go with the favorites. I, I think there can be a lot of discrepancies in such a shortened season, but I'm going to go with the two best teams in baseball, in my opinion, as the Dodgers and Yankees. And I think the Dodgers are a better team. So I'm going Dodgers to win the World Series. Finally, get over the hump. I'm going one chalk, one uh, off the cuff, but but not all that crazy. I'm going Dodgers Twins. And I go, and Twins win the World Series in six games. I think this is a, a going to be a strange season. and We could see the Minnesota Twins come out and surprise people. They're going to be darn good. They're just as good. If I, I think they are, you know, they keep all the key pieces from last year, and they add Josh Donaldson and some other guys. So I think they're going to be just as good. All right, let's get the computer randomized uh, division winners. Start, what, what division are you starting with there, Brendan? Uh, I'm starting with the AL East. Okay, start scrolling. And stop. <laughs> the computer says Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> yes. All right. Write that down. Baltimore Orioles are your AL East champions, according to the computer. AL Central, is that next? Yep, that's next. All right. Start scrolling. And stop. Okay. All right. This one is a possibility. We've got the Cleveland Indians. Okay, yes, absolutely could see that. AOS. All right. That would be the next one. Let's do it. <laughs> Intense stare. Stop. Okay, I can see this one as well. Oakland A's. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Jesus I, Lizardo, I think they're a sleeper AJ team. Puck. Yeah. If Jesus Lazardo pitches a full season, I think he could be one of the better pitchers in baseball. Yeah. Uh, all right. Going with that. NL? NL East is next. This is really intense. <laughs> Stop. Atlanta Braves. There we go. I'm telling you, the computer might beat us. The, I think the computer knows. The computer knows things that we don't. This is, it, it got uh, off to a shaky start like, in the NL East, but it's really picked it up. Yeah. This is like Hal in like 2001, A Space Odyssey, and he's reading our lips. You ever see that movie? I don't think so. That is, that is a trip. That is a, a mm-hmm. wild movie. Anyway, go All ahead. Right. <laughs> NL Central is next. Uh, stop. Oh, the computer takes another rough go of it. Pittsburgh. <laughs> Brutal. Brutal. Hate to see it. All right. Finally. Just when we were confident. Yeah. All right. NL West. Last one to go. And stop. Please be Dodgers. 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 It picked Dodgers? It did. Wow. There's honestly, look, Pittsburgh's not going to win the division, and I'm sorry, the Orioles are not going to win the division, but 
what was the the other difference? Oh, if the if the A's the, win their division, you never yeah, know. We've got the Indians, the A's, and then the Braves and Dodgers, with which I think both of us picked. Yeah. Right? Yes. But the Indians and A's are the other two, and those could realistically be two teams that are going to be in yeah. contention for their division. So we really might get proven wrong by Google Sheets. Well, all right, we got the World Series as well. I put all the NL teams and the AL teams. We got to get our World Series yeah. prediction from the computer. Let's go NL. This one might make us a little, this make us look a little better. Yeah. Are you going? <laughs> I'm, I'm going. <laughs> Stop. New York Mets. Okay. That's honestly, look, I hate to admit it. I always give the Mets crap, but there is actually a chance there. All right, AL. AL, here we go. And I'm going to wait a long time with this one. Oh, boy. I'm just going to draw this out. Suspenseful. And then I'm going to stop. Are you ready for this? Yeah. The Baltimore Orioles? The Baltimore (laughs) Orioles. (laughs) So according to the computer, we're getting an... And Orioles-Mets World Series. Listen, Google Sheets knows. It does. So who am I to argue with the all-powerful Google? (laughs) Couldn't be me. Couldn't be you. All right, Brendan, thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely. Go O's. World Series 2020. (laughs) Now we're joined on the Mass and All Access podcast by Mark Viviano of WJZ. Mark, thanks so much for hopping on with an outstanding set behind you which has been your home studio i'm guessing for the past several months yeah welcome to my uh my home abode here paul this is you know it's been a work in progress i didn't know how much how long i'd be working from home none of us did from the start so after a while we just started getting creative with things and uh just tried to make it presentable it's almost like just having fun trying to be creative while uh working through some uh unusual circumstances to say the least but it's awesome to be talking baseball with you, talking Orioles. Uh, it looks like we're going to have a baseball season, so <laughs> this is awesome. This yeah. is good. Well, Mark, you wear so many hats at WJZ, of course, not just the Orioles, but also the Ravens and any other team that might come through Baltimore at any point. I I, I heard the other day that we're not going to get a preseason, an NFL preseason, no, none of it. Uh, what was your reaction to that news, and is that going to affect the Ravens? Well, it'll, it'll affect everyone in the league. Um, not surprised, uh, given the state of things. Yeah. And the fact that the players have been kind of pushing this direction for some time. You know, football had the calendar in its favor when, you know, the whole pandemic hit in mid-March. Yeah. Baseball obviously was in the worst position, not having yet started and just about to start. So here they are this late trying to get in. Hockey, basketball, they're just getting ramped up now. Football had the calendar in its favor, but the pandemic hasn't worked to its favor. And now they're facing the adjustments of, you know, a condensed schedule. And that includes no preseason games, uh, probably a longer uh, preseason uh, training camps just to get acclimated and get guys tested and get used to the new conditions they're dealing with, just as the Orioles have had, you know, a few weeks now in Major League Baseball to deal with what this intake is like, uh, what the conditions are like. 
everybody's adjusting to something here and the sports leagues are, are not immune to it. Yeah. Well, we had to get your take on the, the football side of it as well, because you do provide that insight. But you have been down to Oriole Park at Camden Yards a whole lot over the past couple of weeks during summer camp. We've heard from Steve and Rock and the writers, but I want to get your perspective from the television side, because you can do those TV standups outside the ballpark, but you can't really shoot too much inside the ballpark. What has your experience been like in this very strange summer camp uh, w- w- covering this from a TV side? Yeah, it's it's obviously with its challenges in terms of, you know, you're used to doing something the same way for 20 years yeah, and then it changes. But, you know, I think, Paul, the important thing for anyone and everyone, whether you're doing TV or whether you're going to a grocery store, things are different. Be understanding, be patient, and work through it. And, you know, obviously these players, these teams have had to do that very thing while getting prepared to be on the field to play a season. So that's why you have sort of this ramp-up time. And for us and for me, yeah, it's a little thing. You know, it's, uh, you know, have your temperature taken when you go into the ballpark and fill out a health form and then sit socially distanced from other reporters in the press box yeah, it's kind of a bummer because I, I enjoy talking baseball when I'm in the press box and, and observing a game and, and, and sharing insights with guys. But obviously, that's not going to be the case. So that's OK. Uh, again, we'll deal. and We'll hope that uh, we get back to what we were used to or some form of it. Uh, that's the other question is if and when this all passes, then what? You know, what is it going to be like it was? Is it going to be a version of what it was? So we'll just deal with it. One day at a time, Paul. And again, that's that's kind of how we have to go. Yeah, that's been my motto through this whole thing. I think everybody has just kind of adopted that as well. And you've gotten creative taking videos from the press box on your phone. You've been able to tweet out some highlights from summer camp. <laughs> my question is, how many unused videos do you have from summer camp of just pitches going by that are taking up storage on your phone that you can't use and really are not that interesting? See, you're a smart guy. You know how this works. So what I do between innings is delete all of the unused ones. Nice. And then you have to go then you have to go and delete the deleted ones to make sure they're not taking up space in storage. So if I keep doing that, I stay ahead of it. But yeah. uh the, the, again, Paul, well, what are we talking about? The new world and the new challenges. Yeah. iPhone storage. Who knew when yeah. you're shooting so much of your own video, but Uh, We figure it out as we go. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get into the actual on-the-field stuff. Yesterday, the announcement came from Brandon Hyde that John Means will not make his scheduled start on opening day up in Fenway. Tommy Malone will make that start in his place. What was your reaction to that news? Obviously not a surprise considering the way that things were trending, but it is certainly a bummer that John Means is not going to be able to make his opening day start that we've been penciling him in to make (laughs) for the past six months maybe eight, 10 months. Yeah. You know, John Means embodies the oddity and extremes of luck, good luck and bad luck in baseball. Think about this. Last year, he was a surprise addition to the roster. A guy who had considered retiring from baseball (laughs) because he was pretty much, he had done all he could and he didn't think it was going to go anywhere. And he thought about retiring, but the Orioles needed a lefty. They brought him up. He becomes an all-star. I mean, what a great story that was. 
fast forward to this year. He's your all-star. He's penciled in, as you mentioned, to make the opening day start. Pandemic. They get back together. They're ready to go again. He circled again to start on July the 24th. Arm sore. It's like, you know, he's had the best of luck. He's had kind of the worst of luck. Uh, but as you mentioned, not surprising. Brandon Hyde shared with me when I asked him about means that he had the same condition at the same time last year when they had already been pitching and, and playing a full schedule. So, you know, maybe his upkeep during his time away kept his arm in the same state that it was, and this soreness that he's dealing with now replicates what it was the year before. But it doesn't sound serious. It sounds like he was throwing uh, yesterday and should not miss much. And then Tommy Malone becomes the other story. What you know? What a story that is! A guy ten years into the big leagues getting his first opening day start, doing so for an Orioles team that has brought together a few veterans to piece together a starting rotation. So, you know, this year there are a lot of interesting stories and twists and turns because we're dealing with circumstances we've never seen before. And for some it's great, for some it's not. And I, and I spoke with Means during the the downtime, and. You know, this was back in April, and he said he had circled that March 28th date, and every day that he was to have started, he'd look at the calendar and say, I was supposed to pitch this day, this day, this day. And uh, so he was clearly into it, looking forward to it. So uh, certainly feel bad for him, but expecting him to be back and uh, looking forward to him continuing his pretty amazing story. Yeah, I mean, his if he can replicate any of what he had, the magic that he had in his All-Star season last year, a 3-6-0 ERA, if he can just bring a little bit of that into this Orioles rotation 2020, that will certainly help. You mentioned the veterans that they added in a Wade LeBlanc, a Tommy Malone to that rotation. They're going to be without Trey Mancini this year. They traded away Jonathan VR in the offseason. So, Mark, do you think that this team in 2020 is better, worse, just about the same as the team that we saw in the field in 2019? It's going to be hard to be better without Mancini offensively. Are there other guys who could fill some of that gap? Yes. I think they could be improved pitching-wise. They 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 have obviously, the last two years, losing 100 games each time, uh, giving up record numbers of home runs and having a record high ERA. Even the bullpen struggled last year. It's got to get better, and I think it will be better. Uh, that's the you know incremental improvement you can expect. I think overall, and I Brandon Hyde, in, in a question that I asked him, said a lot of these guys second year in, and you're talking, and the guys that I'm talking about, Severino, Ruiz. Uh, Nunez, uh, these sort of guys, the guys who are now kind of part of your core, who are finally, for the first time in their careers, playing every day. We saw it last year. Hanser Alberto, put him in that group. A year together of experience is a little bit more confidence and a greater knowledge of who they are and what they can do. And they don't lack confidence, nor do they lack enthusiasm. Uh, do, some will say they lack the skills that some of their opponents have, but they don't want to hear that or believe that. They have some potential to grow. I, I, I'm not going to be so bold as to say they have the potential to be in the playoffs this year, but this is a step-by-step, year-by-year process, and it's a, it's a lengthy one. This is not a rush job, as you can tell by the players who are up in the big leagues right now. 
the emphasis for this organization, as Michael Elias has laid it out very plainly, is in developing young players. Some of the players I just mentioned are getting an opportunity to contribute and surprise to some degree, but the true success of this organization lies in the minor league system, in Adley Rutschman, in Grayson Rodriguez, those sorts of guys that are being developed now under new eyes and new hands to someday be up at the big league level to make this team a winner. Now, Austin Hayes is a good example of a guy who kind of bridges that gap. He's ready now. Ryan Mountcastle appears to be on the brink, too. So you're starting to see some of them come up and, and be able to contribute. You're still looking at those who are developing. Meanwhile, they're mixed with some guys who are getting opportunities. I mean, that starting pitching staff has, what, four guys in their 30s? That's not built for the future. That's built for let's try to win some games now. No knock on any of them because uh, they're going to make the most of their opportunities. But what you can see in the overall, as you describe that kind of roster buildup, that roster com uh, composition is that's, that's what a rebuild looks like. And that's what they're endeavoring here. And it can be fun. I, I, I do like the spirit with, with which they play. I, you know, these guys clearly take nothing for granted. You know, the guys like Ruiz and Nunez and Hanser Alberto and Severino, they're glad to be playing every day. And it shows. And I, I think fans appreciate that, you know, um, and, and we'll see where it takes them, but win or lose, I think you're going to get the most out of every guy. And I'll give, I'll give Brandon Hyde credit for that. Now he doesn't take credit. He gave his coaching staff credit when I asked him about that. Uh, he's the right guy at the right time for this club. And there's a lot to watch there, you know, and unfortunately, Paul, there's no minor league season for these young guys to be developing, but we'll see, you know, how they work and, and, and are schooled in, in towards the future of being able to join this club. And hopefully there's minor league baseball next year. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought up Brandon Hyde because he, is always positive throughout this entire thing. And I know at times in 2019, it, it 2019, it did seem like the losing kind of did get under a skin a little bit as it would with any competitor at any level. But he has come out in 2020 during summer camp with as much positivity, if not more uh, than he had last year. And there's just the confidence that he has in his players, young and some of the veterans is really outstanding. Is that something that you noticed also going into year two under Brandon Hyde, that he is just about as positive as he has ever been? Yes. And I would say positive, but realistic. Yeah. And certainly not Pollyannish. <laughs> He's not a guy who's going to be positive just to be a positive voice. Right. He does not, he does not stand for incompetence. He does not stand for, the sorts of mistakes that are mental and should not happen. And there were a few times last year, his, his rookie year as a manager in the big leagues where he made it clear that he's not standing for some of the mistakes that would happen or some of the behavior that might crop up. That's the difference. You know, it's almost like being a parent. You love your kids, but you're not, you're not going to stand for them screwing up. Right? <laughs> and there's a fine line there and there's a balance there. And there has to be, and I think Brandon Hyde has it really well in hand, an understanding of the overall, why they're there, what they're, what they're working toward. And every day, every, every one of those guys in uniform is working toward winning a baseball game. 
That's their job. That's what they do. They're not saying we're rebuilding. We don't have to win. No, if you're in uniform, you're trying to win and you're trying to play the game well, and you're trying to play the game right. That's where Hyde's influence and oversight and, uh, you know, his, his direction it's there and his coaching staff is right there with him. So I, I just believe that his background in player development, his background in having been a part of a Cubs organization that went through this whole process, in addition to, and probably most importantly, Mike Elias having done so with the Astros in an executive position and now being that top executive here with the Orioles, again, right people, right place, right tenor, right approach, right plan. All that being said, there's no guarantee it works, but you've got to be putting your best effort possible. And it's evident, at least my opinion is, that that's what the Orioles are doing and they have those right people. And Brandon Hyde, certainly near the top of that list. Yeah. Well, Mark, we appreciate your insight. You always bring your 100% and your best effort every time. <laughs> We've had you on the podcast before, and, and I love getting your insight into this as well. So thanks so much for hopping on here. Great talking baseball, Paul. I look forward to seeing you socially distanced at Camden Yards, my friend. Yeah, we'll wave We'll wave across the press box at some point. <laughs> Will do. That's all we got for the Mass and All Access podcast today. Thanks to Brendan Mortensen and Mark Viviano for hopping on the pod. And as always, thanks to Bobby Blanco and Hannah Broder behind the scenes. Please rate, subscribe, review, share, follow, all that good stuff with the Mass and All Access podcast, which, of course, you can listen to on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Watch it on the Mass and All Access Facebook page. Watch it on the Mass and Orioles YouTube channel and subscribe while you're at it to the Mass and Orioles YouTube channel. Opening day for the Baltimore Orioles is just two days away. We can't wait. I'm Paul Mancano. We'll see you later.